0: G'day, welcome to Say It With Guitars, I'm your host, Pete Cornelius. Each episode I'll be digging deep and getting to hang with some of Australia's finest guitar pickers, songwriters, producers, collectors and makers. I look forward to bringing you these fun conversations and I hope you enjoy Say It With Guitars. Hey guys, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Say It With Guitars. Oh man, it's been a few busy weeks. Got to uh, get back over onto the mainland for the Bendigo Blues and Roots Festival. Always had a great time visiting Bendigo and playing some tunes over in some of those great venues and hanging out with some good people and playing some fun shows. That was fantastic. Uh, And I hope you enjoyed our previous podcast with Jed Pickett. I'll actually be playing with Jed on uh, Sunday. We're doing a show down at the Longley International Hotel. We're playing a bunch of Beatles tunes, uh, mainly the Revolver record. So it's been a hoot, especially learning the guitar harmony on Bird Can Sing. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Lucy Thorne. Before we crack into today's show, I'd like to shout out to our sponsor, Mr. Billy Tarrant from Tarrant Guitars. Billy's an amazing luthier and he makes some real sweet instruments. I'm lucky enough for him to have built me a double-o size acoustic guitar, which I've dragged all around the country and it's sounding better than ever. So yeah, check out tarrantguitars.net.au, Tessie's one-stop custom workshop for custom made guitars, all guitar repairs and services. Let's get into the show. All right, I'd like to welcome to Say guitars our very special guest today, Miss Lucy Thorne. Lucy, how are you doing?
1: I'm all right, Pete. How Excellent.
0: are you going? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Just trying to stay dry because, goodness me, it is wet.
1: Yeah, it's pretty miserable out there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I left half my tyre on your driveway by doing a little... Cause it's quite steep. Yeah, it's one of the world's shittest driveways, it's true. How do you tackle that late at night? Or... Or well,
1: it hasn't been a problem of mine for decades, actually. You know, we're here in my, um, my old family home uh, in yeah. West Launceston and, yeah, a lot of, nearly everything about this place is great, except that driveway. <laughs> so, well done.
0: Yeah, well done. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thanks again for joining us today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a pleasure to be here in your family home.
1: Well, it's great to have you up here and, you know, it is the last hurrah of this yeah. Um, long-standing Yeah. Um, household yeah. so uh, I know you can't see it out there listeners but we're surrounded by piles of treasure that's slowly getting sorted and packed yeah. and redistributed
0: yeah yeah Bit I just t- noticed a few great vinyls on the up on the shelf there I'm sure there's many
1: oh there's so uh, many yeah and uh luckily that isn't there is no problem in knowing how to rehome those because yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's coming
0: with me yeah, excellent yeah good good yeah and um First thing when I walked in the door, I saw Old Faithful over there in the corner. Mm-hmm. But I also noticed, you know, one I haven't seen before.
1: Okay, but also the listeners can't see what you're talking about oh, when yeah. you say Old Faithful. Old Faithful. <laughs> it.
0: It's
1: not Telly, is it?
0: No, it's not Telly. No, I'm glad it's it's not either. You are
1: referring to my beautiful 1966 Guild
0: Starfire. His name is Loretta. Shall we talk straight about Loretta? Why not?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, She's the love of my life.
0: Every gig I've seen, you've had that on and it's it's like an extension of your your brain, your fingers, mm-hmm. your mind. To me, when I see that guitar on other people as well, mm-hmm. not that personal. Yeah, no, not, not many Miranda. people get to do that. No. <laughs> but you see that guitar on other people and like, oh that's not right. It's, not, oh, it's really? not 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 the connection that you oh. have with that guitar. Like something wow. about that instrument. I don't know, just mm. tell me about how did you come across that guitar and and how's your relationship going with it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, i played acoustic... I mean, my first couple of guitars were
1: really shitty electrics, um, but when I started really exploring being a guitarist as well as a singer and a songwriter, um, you know, first sort of good decade of that was predominantly acoustic guitar. Yeah. And... um A really dear old friend of mine who actually helped me make my first couple of albums um, had this guild uh, along with a whole lot of other guitars. It's a long story but the short version is he was kind of hoping to do the import-export thing but I think he was having a problem with the export part (laughs) of the the equation. I know that predicament. You know that predicament. So he said to me, you know, he's like, I really think this guitar is, you know, is your next guitar. And um I was I'd only just maybe I'd only had I, I bought a beautiful Phil Carson Crickmore acoustic a couple of years prior to that and was so in love with that guitar. I still have it, I still love it. Great. But um, you know, I was I didn't see myself, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna play an electric, you know, like it doesn't really feel like my thing. And yeah. also I was completely broke. Yeah. Anyway, he was quite insistent and you know, cut me this really friendly deal, said Just pay me 50 bucks a week for freaking ages (laughs) 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 and, um, you know, it's yours. Anyway, so that was maybe 16 or 17 years ago. And, yeah, I mean, it did take us a little while. I'm pretty slow in a lot of regards but, you know, they're obviously such different creatures. You know, every sort of guitar is such a different creature. So it took me quite a long time to um, get my hands around it and... And work at how to play this thing, and it wasn't, you know, until I started writing, on the yeah. Guild, yeah. that um, that our relationship really sort of started to form. And I mean, yeah, I haven't looked yeah. back. I've there's been a couple of occasions where I've, you know, brought the acoustic out for a gig, but yeah, she's my my one true love, and um and I guess I mean, you know, I'm a very sort of I'm a self taught intuitive kind of player and um you know, over the years I guess I've you know, I've developed a kind of particular sound and, and the way that that I write on that guitar and the way that you know, the way that I sing and my funny kind of lower midi breathy sound and, you know, running that um running that guitar through Tremolo and, you know, it's it's a sound that's kind of really
0: Yeah. It's a sound mm, that probably mm. has evolved but but it's also at the core the same the same sound that mm-hmm. it was 15, 20 years mm. ago when you first played it. Mm. But you didn't quite get to know it intimately enough to sort of trust it perhaps or to like really yeah. to go with what it was. And plus playing through an amplifier, you know, playing an acoustic guitar plugged in through a PA system or whatever is, is a totally different beast. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that will ever become anyone's, comfort, like an acoustic through a PA. Go on. Really? Well, yeah, really. <laughs> um, uh. But I think, the yeah, the electric guitar, being a, a hollow body,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's also got that extra element of surprise, you know, when you plug in and sometimes a room will just like be your worst enemy. Sometimes a room will be mm. an enhancement. Um, well, and, and all the, you know, the kind of gnarly rattles and, and sort of
1: inner distortions that sometimes she can have, you know, yeah. without being amplified or yeah, um, yeah. There's such great. There's so much uh, scope for, um, obviously, for you know, a whole range of sonic palettes to come out of one of
0: those little guys. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you find yourself writing differently? Like, as, as soon as you get became comfortable with that guitar, did you sort of approach songwriting differently? Do you think?
1: Well, it definitely was a great kick up the ass for my for my playing you know yeah. because I was trying i mean i guess you know all those years ago i started off just sort of trying to impose my acoustic skills onto this other kind of instrument and clearly you know as anyone know that's not actually <laughs> that's how it really works so yeah um and as around that time i started experimenting with you know with some open tunings and so yeah if i feel like it did take it took a while to to feel comfy, you know being more exploratory and more sort of i mean i'm you know I'm a big fan of space and uh so it's not like you know i guess it's you know exploring those kind of tonal capacities of this particular instrument um and how that how that sits together with my writing so it's yeah. like you know, lyrically, harmonically, melodically, rhythmically. You know, I've never really... It's not like i i don't write poetry for the page and I don't really play instrumental music. You know, like all yep. those things are really connected to me. Yep. Um, for me. So, yeah. And it's, it's <laughs> kind of the
0: best fun ever, isn't it? <laughs> Trying to make little songs up. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. something I um, really need to make more time is for the creation of songs. Hmm. I find myself noodling far too much. And oh, come on, Pete, you can't noodle too much. Oh, uh, you know, there's only can so many noodles you can really <laughs> get down in one, one session. Yeah. Because um, I find myself, I know perhaps I need to um, listen to other people perhaps, like open my my ears and my eyes a bit with other influences or... ...or even reading, I, I probably should be reading, you know, different things... ...different mm. li- different books, different authors, different genres... ...just to sort of get things ticking a bit more. But mm. um, I find myself, I'm sure I'm not alone in the musical world... Um, ...but yeah, I find myself just sort of slipping into the same old sort of comfort zone. And sure, yeah. That's where I find... Um, but it's probably, well. I think when I get to that stage, I just go, oh, maybe I should get it on the guitar and that might help me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh-huh. find some creative juices perhaps. Yeah. So that's my, yeah, downfall. Nice. It's one of my yeah. weak spots. Mm-hmm. So let's go back. Do you, you run flat wounds on, on the guitar? Round rounds. Round rounds. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah, and usually a really heavy gauge too. Okay. Um, 14 to... 56s or thereabouts. Wow. 14s. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, it's what you get used to but... Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I mean, I wouldn't describe my left hand as too kind of clumpy. But, you know, when you get used to when you're playing really heavy gauge... Yeah. ...it's sort of like pick up other guitars and go, oh, I think there's some serious intonation <laughs> problems with that. And it's like, no, I think those intonation problems are in your left hand, Thorny.
0: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so
1: that's how she's uh, cool. happily set up.
0: So I guess you can tune down quite easily as well yeah. and then have the, the tension of those big strings to Yeah. Keep I mean things. she's
1: really happy in Dad Gad. I've been okay. playing some open sea tunings, which is yep. you know, she's it's a slight push, <laughs> but it's yeah, that's I mean that's as that's as low as she'll go. Yeah. But hence this new little friend, which I know you can't see out there in podcast world either, but um, little greeny, um
0: yeah.
1: which is uh just a little baritone. Ah. So that's actually currently tuned to a weird open A. Wow. Tuning. Cool. Um, which, again, is a whole new world for both my hands, actually, <laughs> getting my hands around this. But yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. Oh, you know?
0: God. Yeah, yeah, such a great palette. to. Oh. As soon as you start going down below Ds yeah. and Cs, you get around the B and A area. Yeah. It's like, whoa, why yeah. am I... I discover know. discovered this already,
1: and I mean, you know, I obviously I work a lot solo, but my main um, combo is is with the incredible Hamish Stewart on the drums. So you know, we're a sort of a long standing um, duo who rarely have a bass player. You yeah. know, there are times where we expand the lineup, but um, yeah. you know that I can kind of I'm not getting in anyone else's way if I'm just down that little bit. Mm-hmm. Th- End of the end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So it's really it's good fun. Absolutely. And Have you found? When well, I've seen you play, you've been using a Mesa Boogie. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still play with that, or do you like no, I haven't find got that the Boogie anymore? Right.
2: Because um, some
0: guitar amps don't like it down that low. It's true. The small little yeah. ones that we like to use don't yeah. don't like
1: those. Yeah. No. Um, my only amp at the moment is this beautiful little Princeton. Um, you know, and its it seems to respond cool. pretty happily. Great. Down there. Down there? Yeah.
0: Down there where the guitars don't go that often. That's cool. <laughs> so is it a normal scale, that green machine?
1: It's a little bit longer. Okay. I don't I don't know the numbers, but it's not... I mean, it doesn't look that much longer, no, does it? No, no. it's
0: very, very well hidden.
1: But, um, yeah, it's got a little bit of extra length on it. To, Sweet. To help it hold itself together down <laughs> there. That's yeah. great. So yeah.
0: what brought that on? Was it just... Um...
1: Do you know, to be honest, I mean, I have been thinking about getting a baritone for a while. Yeah. But um, just before I came back down here to Tassie, um, in fact, literally the day I got on the boat, yeah. I went to my local um, guitar shop in Melbourne to get some strings and I <laughs> accidentally came <laughs> out with that. <laughs> it, was so, it was really cheap. It was so special. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, shit. I did, so did not mean to buy a guitar yeah. today. But, did you get the strings? Uh, I did, thank oh, you, yes. Okay. I remember to get the strings. <laughs> um, and just last weekend here in Lonnie, I, I'd been invited to do a um, a few songs. Uh, the Tasmanian Poetry Festival um, was having its first event of the season, which was actually a musical event, um, doing a tribute to uh, Leonard Cohen and Joni Mitchell. Ah,
0: oh, Cool.
1: So I'd, I'd sign myself up for doing a few Joni songs. Great. Um, and, you know, I'm a massive fan. But it actually... I'm such a fan that I was actually really deeply um, reticent to try and play some of those songs. Because yeah. it's just like, what do you... You know, yeah. do you, how do you touch that stuff? Absolutely. Anyway, I'd, I'd landed the songs and, you know, agreed to do it and then realised it was like... ...I need at least 12 frets to play. You know, I can't be capoing this shit... ...because I need the whole length of the guitar. Yeah. Which then really clearly limits your key options. Yes. And I was like, I can't find a a key to sing these bloody songs in... ...that's not too high or too low. Anyway, so, yeah, my solution was to get
0: a new guitar and... Cool. Uh that's... <laughs> whoopsie. Anyway, so... How did it go? Was it its debut outing? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I did say to, to the little Barry, I know it's an inanimate object, but I did say before we went on stage, I was like, I feel like it's a little early in our relationship to be going public <laughs> like this. <laughs> but um, all the best, you know. All the best. Come on, be yeah. my friend. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> it went fine. I mean, to be honest, it was such an emotional event, for those listeners who don't know, my dear darling dad or and and my mama, they were both involved in setting up the Tasmanian Poetry Festival back in the 80s. Yeah. Um, so it was the first year that, you know, since they'd both died. And everyone was there, everyone came out of the little work and... I mean, I get nervous at the best of times, but, yeah. you know, all of those ingredients plus playing three tiny songs, songs that are a little bit outside my department on a brand new guitar, yeah. <laughs> I felt a little bit... <laughs> Woo. Anyway, apparently it was incredibly convincing.
0: Yeah. You wouldn't have even known. That's right. Like, you would have got there Professional and, like, and it would have business. been a blur. The whole thing would have just been a blur, I imagine. Yeah. Like, you look back at it now and going... Did that even happen? like would have yeah. I'm sure at the time it yeah would have been a very emotional, charged yeah. performance did you have have you learnt her songs in the past, like have you learnt her tunings and things like that, or have well, you kind of done been, your own versions of
1: no I mean yeah, there's a couple of songs of hers that you know when I was starting out all those decades ago i you know i I taught myself a couple of her songs that were in standard, you know yeah. some more straightforward ones um but so this is actually the first time and I sort of can't believe from my love of, of her body of work and my love of, of experimenting with tuning, I, it's sort of weird to me that I had never sat down and gone, okay, what tuning is Amelia in yeah. and what are the shapes? Yeah. So super fun thing to actually get around to do, you mm-hmm. know, and then just got so excited. I guess a lot of that material, I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't tend to do covers... Anyway, I mean, around the kitchen table, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, to actually sort of get my get my hands around those shapes in those tunings was just like oh, goodbye world. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I might I yeah. might not be seen again for ages. Yeah. I got a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun to be had.
0: Did the songs kind of like take on new uh, or did the like did the songs like come out naturally when those tunings? Because I've, I've actually never done it either. I've never gone through her material and checked out the tunings. Yeah.
1: and Well, and there's so many of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was like, you know, my ear's always just been so drawn to and so in love with the way she voices. So, you know, like her whole harmonic sense is just extraordinary. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, to find out, oh, if you've got, you know, A, E, B, C sharp, it's really straightforward. You know, if they're your open strings, you know, those shapes are actually... Yeah. It's just right under your fingers. You know, yep. there's, it's actually not that complex. Um, so, woo <laughs> <laughs> You know? I mean, that's, a, that's another thing to then try to deliver them convincingly. But... Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess... I mean, I have been... You know, I'd always just retune my one beautiful guitar. But now that I'm, there are several different sorts of tunings that I'm really into at the moment. Yeah. You know, I can see myself barreling down the road. <laughs> oh, yep. I might just need. I
0: might just need that extra guitar. Because you know,
1: there's got to be one just sitting there and. Yeah. You know, tuning X. Absolutely, and once y they live in that
0: head. tuning for a while, they kind of ah, open up to that sound. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can have one instrument that goes all around the place, but it and. Have a happy place. Every oh, instrument sure. has their own little yeah. comfort zone. Yeah. And okay. even with string gauges, I don't want to get too techy.
1: Yeah, don't get too techy on me because oh, my, no. uh, my eyes are glazed over, alone <laughs> the
0: listeners. Um, uh, sorry. <coughs> no, no, don't be sorry. You're right. I was just harking back to the Lucky Oceans one where we were uh, getting a bit technical. Uh, um, but, but yeah, yeah like, like mean, string gauges, like. It's important to have a good gauge that feels right for that tuning and if, right. if, if you've got a guitar set up for finger style and then you go, oh, I might just put on a slide and go yeah. down to open D, it's not yeah. going to work. No. You kind of need to have a dedicated yeah. instrument which, you know, is unfortunate for the, the wives <laughs> and the <laughs> <laughs> partners of <laughs> us musicians mm. who uh, collect things at will but hey. Oh, uh, well, it could be worse. It could be worse, that's right. So was Joni an influence early days or or did you come...?
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, I remember when I was lucky enough to grow up, you know... ...in this very house with an extraordinary record collection... ...both mum and dad were huge music fans. Neither of them were... I mean, mum liked to sing and play a little bit of piano in the old days... ...but but yeah, they're both active listeners and big music lovers. Yeah. Um... ..of a whole range of different stuff. So I sort of was exposed to a real variety of things from an early age. But I remember as a kind of early teenager, I guess, you know, feeling like I was making my own personal discoveries in their record collection. Yeah. And at around the same time, I discovered... I discovered. But you do. You feel like it's (laughs) like you've made this discovery. So Joni Mitchell, Nina Simone... Billie Holiday and Janis Joplin Great. all around the same time and they all just, I mean, it just turned all the dials on for me. I was just like, I don't even, I just want, I don't even know really what that is but that's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that just, yeah, that is really exciting. So, yep. I mean, I'd always love to sing, yeah, and... Uh, but so the guitar did sort of start to come I guess in my early teens I it was when I first, you know, picked up a guitar. Yeah. But um it was really, you know, I would put on just for my own self, occasionally for my dear patient parents, but um, you know, I'd make up whole sort of concerts singing along to you know, back to back cassette, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. like really loving it. And I get my first um performances were as a singer with the St Joe's big band wow. actually here cool. in town. Yeah. yeah. So doing all of that jazz repertoire, which I, you know, I love to this day. Yeah. But um, that was sort of around the time that I got interested in songwriting. I remember yeah. preparing for some gig that I was doing with St Joe's and Misty was on the set and, you know, I was walking around thinking, look at me, I'm as helpless as a kitten up a tree. <sighs> I don't really feel in that way, yeah. you know, like yeah. I love singing this material but, you know, the stories weren't mine. It was not yeah. that material didn't really resonate with me in a way that... I mean, as I sort of, you know, dived into Joni's songwriting world, for example, it would be like, oh, wow, you can write yeah. like really wild, deep, poetic shit that's incredibly personal and also political and or, you know, like just there are no limits to what you can put in a song if you want to. I mean, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was when I got excited about trying to Um, write my
0: own stuff. Excellent. Yeah. So cool. Because, yeah, you're right. Um, Singing or just performing material that belongs to someone else has a vibe and it's it's good for your skills and your development and all Mm. that sort of stuff. I think it's really important to learn other people's music but Mm -hmm. it's, but it's until you can recognise that, yeah, this, this, you know, I'm not singing about things that I relate to or are contemporary or the things that I can emotionally um, commit to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So until you have that realisation, I think it's like, yeah, it's a pretty important factor in someone's career. I think. Yeah. Um, and it takes time. You know, yeah. I'm sure most people still s- struggle with really saying what they want to without in in, in song form. Mm-hmm. You know? So the guitar mm-hmm. did was the guitar an accompanying did you sort of go, Oh, I really want to sing, I really want to write these lyrics.
2: Mm.
0: Do I learn guitar to accompany myself? <laughs> or mean. did you kind of have Yeah, that's melodic sensibilities that needed to no, I
1: mean at the so at the same time i was I sort of had this parallel musical existence um because I was a very serious classical violinist oh. as well <laughs> excellent um and you know there was a piano here, so i was the piano for me was um sort of my first exploratory instrument in that I never had any lessons, yeah. you know it's all laid out there, just used my little ears, yeah. made stuff up felt incredibly free on that instrument. You know, the violin was, as much as I loved it and I loved playing in orchestras and I loved, you know, so much of that repertoire I still love. But it was a very, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't have dreamt of improvising anything, for example. It was very much, you know, I'm learning the dots on the page, I can bring emotion to it in my performance, but it's not a... Yeah, it it just felt worlds away from... From starting to muck around on my piano. And so then I think I was in grade seven and my sister's boyfriend at the time, who was like a bit of a high school rock girl, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I had like maybe three guitar lessons with him. Right. And he would come here. My memory of the lessons was that he would put an ACDC cassette on. Yeah then go into the kitchen and make himself like a whole loaf's worth of jam sandwiches, <laughs> <laughs> then get his drink bottle out and siphon a little bit of everything out of the liquor cabinet, wow. top it up with the cask wine. Wow. Um, just in time, you know, by the time we had done that, cass- you know, one yep. side of the cassette would be done. Dad would, you know, give him some money for teaching me the guitar. <laughs> <be> draining his <laughs> alcohol collection. <laughs> and, but, you know, I mean, he showed me like one or two shapes, For my left hand and introduced me to ACDC. I mean, that's a lot right there. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. And, I mean, for all of Mum and Dad's um, variety of stuff in their collection, I mean, there's a lot of... ..there is a lot of rock and roll in it. But I sort of... ..you know, I was much more interested in Joni and Nina and Miles Davis and, you know, Warren Zevon and Randy Newman were sort of... ...as rock as I
2: got, which yeah, is pretty yeah. cute, isn't it? Yeah.
1: But um, so, yeah, I was <laughs> like, oh, shit, ACDC. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was... ...that was a pretty exciting, you know, start. You can't really call it guitar lessons, though. <laughs> but, um... I
0: of a lifestyle. So yeah, <laughs> lifestyle yeah. lesson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Um, so, and, you know, I mean, I mucked around and wrote a few songs. I guess, you know, it took another few years to... I mean, yeah, I guess when I... ..in my early 20s, that's when I really got stuck into exploring, trying to write. And, of course, I was dreadful at it for a while, but most of us are. you got to start somewhere, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. And I'm just so glad that my younger self was so bloody determined, you know, and gung-ho. yeah. Yep. ...to just want to do it anyway, you know? absolutely. Because here I am all these years later. Yeah. Still doing
0: it. Still going strong. Yeah. Absolutely. How many records have you made, Liz? Is there some that haven't made it to the public realm... ...or or is all your work out?
1: It's all out there. I've released... um, I should know the answer to this question. I? (laughs) I think the true answer is nine... LPs and Mm -hmm. a couple of EPs. Great. Um, Most of them are still in circulation. I mean, my very first album is not available. Thank God. Oh, come on. (laughs) I did discover a little pile that Mum had hidden under the bed in the spare room. Yep. They will not be seeing the light of day, folks. But, um, yeah, so that's quite a lot. Yeah. Of records. It is. Um,
2: it's a lot of songs. It's a lot of songs.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've never thought of myself as particularly prolific, but it's definitely... It's been the central thing in my life for so long that, you know...
0: Yeah.
1: You can have a few years between records and it's still pretty steady, kind of... Yeah. ...a steady thing. Yeah.
0: Do you remember your first gig here in... Was it in Lonnie, do you think? Your first sort of... You know, I mean, I definitely did my show. first
1: gigs here in Los System, but I don't know that I was really doing um, my own. I mean, after the St. Joe's big band thing, I did a few other. I mean, I sang with a couple of other sort of jazz lineups. I had this duo um, with a dear friend who was a cellist, um, and you know, here I was a violinist as well. But we both were really interested in. ..you know, contemporary songs yes. as well as the classical <laughs> repertoire. So we did a few gigs um, just down the hill at um, Kachina back in the oh, day. Yeah. Yep. Um, in the 90s. Um, and I reckon we probably did a couple of originals yep. there. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't until I moved to Melbourne... ..that I started um, writing more and, and getting stuck into playing.
0: Was that a move for musical... Decisions like like career choice stuff, or is it education or what what took well, you to the big smoke?
1: um I moved pretty much straight after year twelve okay um and I just had it i had it in my head that i was i didn't know what I was really gonna do, actually, I just knew I needed to yep. spread my little wings and yep. get to the big city yeah um and I did end up studying there I was. I got sort of some of the way through, mm-hmm. a Bachelor of Arts major. I was planning to major in music. Um, I was studying at La Trobe. So I was sort of doing, you know, music composition. But um they actually closed the music department while I was there. So for about 18 months of my part-time right. Right. uni career, it was mostly being an agitator trying to keep the music yeah. department alive. Anyway, we didn't win that one. So I moved over to Melbourne with my... Best friend. Um, we packed up our little belongings and into her V dub and got on the boat. And so she was, um, she's a beautiful musician too. She was um, studying at VCA. And uh, yeah, I rattled around for a little while, not really knowing what I was going to do. But um, I mean, as soon as I moved to Melbourne, I just started going to gigs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, You know, and there was something I I had no money, but there's so many gigs that were free or you know very cheap every night of the week, any genre. You know, so I just dived headfirst into that um, amazing community, and yeah, it's been. I mean, I've lived in various other places over the years, but it's remained kind of my enduring home, wherever I am. Really, in a lot of ways, yeah. Such a great city for that stuff, and
0: um, the. Relationships you would have made with fellow musicians and um, yeah. that sort of stuff, you just can't replace. You know, yeah. time spent with those sort of people as mentors or as influencers yeah. or just as friends, you know, yeah, far out, totally. it's such a, a, a thing you just can't replace.
2: Yeah. <laughs> See?
0: So, do you still sort of call Melbourne home? Th- well, I'm actually moving back there officially yep. soon. So, so you've been up in the Northern New South. Yeah, have you? yeah, I,
1: I, um, I mean, you know, the last few years have been so weird for lots of people. Um, and I did accidentally, I sort of accidentally, <laughs> moved to Northern New South Wales. I had been living in Melbourne, and then I was. It's a long story, but the short version is I was. Um, sort of momentarily a bit homeless and um, there was a lot of things that were sort of a bit untethered in my world. So I packed up my car, went up north to visit a mate on her farm. So I was like, I'm just going to spend a couple of weeks on her beautiful organic veggie farm, Yeah. get myself together, work out what I'm going to do next. Yeah. And then when I was there I got a call from my dear friend Pieta Brown in the States... And she mm-hmm. said, this is super short notice, but can I fly you out to do this tour with me in the Midwest and um, New England and, you know, down to New York City, like soon, like in a yep. few weeks' time. And I was like, um, that's what I'm doing next. <laughs> Amazing. So I go to... This Excellent. Is, this is a long answer to your question. No, but this is great. So, so I'm in the States in March 2020 and our last show is in New York City just as the pandemic is just oh, smashing... Shit. Yeah, That part right. of the world. So it was a really surreal right. tour. <laughs> I mean, we actually we got all the shows done. It sort of wasn't... And I was going to hang out in the Midwest for a couple of weeks. Anyway, I'd, I was there for an extra week and then just trying to work out what was actually happening in the world. Anyway, I made it back to Australia literally the day that the borders were wow. shutting. <laughs> so it was pretty crazy. And I wow. had to, you know, like my car was up in northern New South Wales and I had to go into isolation for two weeks. Yes. So I was like, I You know, I checked with the guys at the farm. They're like... I was living in a shipping container there, which was great. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I did my isolation there and then um, my quarantine there. And then, you know, obviously the pandemic rolled on. I mean, they were so gorgeous. They are just like, it's so helpful having you here. You know, I was being a part-time farmhand and... Cool. ..you know, hanging out. So... yeah, I sort of accidentally moved to got stuck in, but then happily moved to subtropical paradise. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I was there for the best part of two years, really. Yeah. Yep. So. And definitely but, yeah. the
0: worst places to be um, in that oh. COVID period. You know, like it's such a beautiful. Oh
1: man, I just landscape. I mean, it was a weird time, but I yeah. that got me there. But then I was like, I'm actually the luckiest little kid around. Like. I'm living in this... And gr- I've always loved a shed or a cabin. You know, I've spent a lot of my life yeah. living in kind of strange structures out the back <laughs> of other people's places. <laughs> <wastes. laughs> so this is this beautiful 40-foot, you know, pretty sweet Renault sh- shipping container. Yeah. Um, and obviously for a full-time touring musician who can't tour, it's like, you know, I did a direct labour exchange so I helped them on the farm Cool. Um, for my you know for my rent and all the organic veggies i could eat and yeah sit on the porch with the guitar and yeah you
0: know and that's so good to sweet. do that to sort of reset sort of defrag and just go okay cool i don't have to rely on shows i don't have yeah. to rely on writing all i got to do is yeah, help these friends of mine Bleed on their the farm carrots Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just live a simple existence like and yeah, to be able to do that and I guess looking back now, you know, things are always different when you're in the thick of it, but yeah. you know, good old hindsight.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so I maybe mean, let's let's touch on that tour you said you did with Peter Brown. Mm-hmm. So now her her Dad <clears throat> um I've got one of his records by Greg Greg, Greg Brown. And you guys did a record called Love Over Gold, right?
1: Yeah, well, that was our band name. So... Was it a Die straight sort of like... It's a direct nod, yeah. Yeah, okay. And in fact, I mean, Pieta's toured with Mark not for um, over the years and so she... I mean, we... I guess you know both of us have only ever really worked under our own names, yeah. you know. So when we decided to make this collaborative album, we're like, "How fun! Let's be! Let's have a name," yeah. you know. Yeah. And then went down the weird spiral that I'm sure <laughs> everyone endures. We're like, "Oh yeah, but how do you? What is it?" You know. Yeah. Anyway, so um, when we decided on Love Over Gold, Pietro was like, "We should maybe ask Mark if that's okay," and I was like, uh, "Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great." Anyway, he gave us his blessings. Okay. Oh, great. So, um, but yeah, I can't believe that record was nearly ten
0: years ago. Um, yeah. But we are... I couldn't find... Is it, is it streamable or do you have to, like, have oh. bought it when you guys made it?
1: Yeah, look, my digital housekeeping is not my strong suit just <laughs> at the moment and I'm aware that that is a very hard record to mm. find.
0: I was wondering if it was a label thing or... No, so we did
1: it independently. I mean, yeah. we did release it through Vitamin who used to do all my distro, but they don't really exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, so all of my records are on Bandcamp, but we haven't put the Love Over Gold one up there yet. But soon, Ooh. thank you for the reminder. Excellent. I will get do. on to it. Yeah. It's such a pretty record, you know, and yep. um, we've been talking... In fact, well, I was almost back there. Life just sort of got a bit hairy and lumpy and uh, it's gotten in the way. But... Um, yeah, there will be another project um, that we're going to cook up Excellent. sometime soon. Yeah. So that's,
0: yeah, that's Excellent. pretty exciting. Look, yeah, I look forward to hearing the, mm-hmm. the goodness that comes out of that. Mm. How did that come about? Was, was she in Australia? Yeah,
1: I mean, that's a long story too. But um, I, years before I met Pieta, um, a friend gave me a mixed cassette that had a whole lot of different stuff on it and there was one song of Pieta's on it and I was so... Transfixed by this song and her voice, and I just—you know—I wore the tape out, and I was like, "Who is this woman? <laughs> is I it? must hear more." And I want to—I feel like we're friends. You know, like I just had yeah. such a crazy connection to this one little piece of music. Um, and I was—the friend had given me this cassette as like a travel tape because I was traveling Europe at the time with my, with my Walkman, yeah. as one did. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I'd, so I was trying to track down Pieta's records. I found a copy of her first album in a, in a shop in London and I listened to that um, and, I, you know, it took me a while to find anything else of hers. Anyway, fast forward a few years, um, quite a few years, and I'm, you know, working with um, Vitamin Records. And Glenn Wright, who ran that, also ran the Mullum Music Festival. And uh, I remember yeah. just having a conversation with Glenn one day about, you know, about the next lineup and did I have any, you know, he was just picking my brains cool. about who, sh- who should he book? Yeah. And I was like, um, <laughs> okay, this is how I can get Pieter Brown to yeah. Australia. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> um, so I put Glenn on to pay And then again, it took a couple of years for it to actually happen, but that's how Pieter and Bo Ramsey first toured Australia. Uh-huh. Um, so they played at the festival. They did a handful of other shows around the country and Hamish and I opened some of those shows. Right. So that's when we first met. But, yeah, I mean, I was coming in as a super fan. Yes. Um, and of, of Bose as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I remember when not long after they, you know, flew home to the States and then Peter sent me this email... Um, ...this incredible, beautiful letter saying, you know, amongst other things... ...she said, I hope you don't think I'm crazy... ...but I can't stop thinking about... ...because she came, you know, she obviously heard me and Hamish play. Yeah. So she just sort of pitched it to me saying... ...I don't know what shape it's going to take... ...but what do you think about us trying to do something together? Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I feel like that's a really good idea... (laughs) So we wrote our first song together via correspondence. Yeah. Which I'd never done before. Yeah. You know. Um. So so yeah, I wrote you know, I had this half song that just felt like a, you know, it was for this combo. Yeah. And I sent it to Pieta, you know, she sent back a couple of verses. Really quickly we toot and froed this thing, and I was like, Oh wow, there's a song. So we had planned to make the record that way, just Mm -hmm. you know, file swapping. Um which, you know, it's amazing that you can do that. But that said, obviously there is nothing like being in the same room as oh, each other. Oh, nothing like it. So I'm so glad that for a bunch of reasons we actually... I mean, I think, I think what happened was I'd already book, I was touring... I had like a two-month European tour booked... Um, ...but I didn't have my tickets yet. You know, my aeroplane tickets. Yeah. And I was like, I might just... I mean, you know, the great <laughs> thing about coming from Australia... ...is that everywhere is far...
0: Yeah. You know, so I was like, <laughs> if
1: I'm gonna go all the way to the Netherlands and Germany and Romania, why not go via Iowa? You know, like it actually doesn't make yeah. much difference. So I tacked that onto the front of this European tour and spent a couple of weeks with Pietro and we just Great. made a record together there yep. and then. So that that album sort of half co writes and then a handful of, you know, each of our songs. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a purely Duet record. Um, yeah, and we've, I mean, that's so, you know, that was nearly 10 years ago that the album came out, but we have toured together a bunch of times in both here and in the States and various yep. other parts of the world too. Yeah, that's so. fantastic.
0: So good that uh, how the whole story came through, like, you know, from having a song on a cassette, you're oh, like, who is this artist? Yeah. To, you know, maybe a couple of years later to have been writing songs. Yeah. And then releasing a record with that I person. Know. I think that's, that's such a great thing for us as as artists as well to go, well, put your head down, make it happen. Like, Well, you know, and
1: that's you s- it. You know, it's like, I mean, I'm a big, you know, you just got to follow the music, don't you? I yeah. mean, and those, you know, it's not everyone that you have this really sort of incredible chemistry with in terms of harmony singing, for example. No. But when you find those people, it's just like... That shit's special, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, just kind of following those connections that feel really strong, even if it's, you know, you don't, I don't understand hardly anything actually. (laughs) so I don't know where that stuff comes from, but it's like, you know, you know it when you feel it. Yeah. That's it, just Um, trusting your gut. Yeah. Absolutely. And And those, you know, those connections, um, I mean, that's one of the great, great, great. Treasured things for me about having you know music being so central to my world, it's like the camaraderie and the community, and you know it's such a precarious line of work in a lot of ways, yeah. but it is so rich in yes in all of that um you know in those connections you know like I think of you know Hamish Stewart, who I've worked with for nearly as long as I've had that guild guitar <laughs> and uh I mean, you know, there is nothing like the relationship you develop with someone with whom you've made so much music, let alone spent so many hours in a car with. You know? Oh, it's like, me. Absolutely. It's like that's what sustains me. You know those. Yep. Those those connections.
0: Yep. And yeah, and it really does help the music. Like the, the music exists, f- I guess, initially, right? Like you don't. That, that, that kind of is the reason why you might want to collaborate with someone because of mm-hmm. the, the music, but then. But then the music becomes almost secondary in a way Be- or it becomes oh, no you know maybe not secondary but you know like just getting to know someone through music mm. you just cut lots of crap out yeah you know? You're just sort of like straight to that person's soul yeah straight to that person's inner self and yeah. then just like well cool we've we've had our date <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's, yeah, it's, it's such a great life. way to to communicate and to and to meet people and to hang yeah. out and like you said, it's a very open and loving um community. Yeah. It it's really wonderful. Is. Yeah, and, and to do it abroad like that too, like yeah. if you were travelling to Iowa. Was she in like Des Moines or somewhere like that? Or? She's in Iowa
1: City.
0: Iowa City, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, that's such a great experience in itself, Oh, Absolutely working with someone like that. So yeah. that's that's so cool. Yeah. Talk about your work with Hamish. Like, um, mm-hmm. did you hunt Hamish down because of his amazing drumming? Or no, or did, not at or all. Was, or was he just like lingering in the studio one day? Uh, or something? <laughs> Who is
1: that Who guy? Who is that guy? Who's that guy hiding behind
0: <laughs>
1: the tree? <laughs> um, no. So that actually, well, Glenn Wright's responsible. He's come up in conversation a bit. He's um. So I'd made. Let me see.
0: Was Glenn the? Glenn was the producer. producer. Oh, he's no, a so he
1: was the distributor and right. he used to run a venue in Sydney called the Harborside Brasserie um, and, yeah, so that he was sort of in the thick of the scene there and then mm-hmm. moved up to Mullumbimby and started a record label. Right. Back when <laughs> that was a thing. Back when there were CDs anyway, and records. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. But so I was getting ready to make my fifth album, Black yeah. Across the Field, And I had, you know, I'd recorded some demos. I was not sure how I was going to make it... ...but I'd made the preceding four albums... ...essentially either in my own or someone else's home studio. So I just kind of assumed I would do another version of something like that. Yeah. But I was talking to Glenn about, you know, my plans... ...and he, he is like, you should meet my friend Hamish Stewart. I think, you know, I think he could be the right guy for you to work with. Yeah. So Glenn introduced me to Hame and to Dave Slimes as well, sure. bass player. And I remember I sent, a, I burnt a CD of my demos and sent it to Hamish in the post. And then he called me, you know, when he had a listen. And um, just within moments of that first phone call with Hame, the way that he he was talking about... My songs and the way he talked about what he could hear bringing to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was just, I just, I mean, I didn't know anything about him. Excuse my woeful ignorance. I had no idea he was this <laughs> yeah. stuck in the legend, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I don't need some fancy session cats, you know, like that was my attitude.
0: Totally. I'm a little dickhead. It was baggage and, you know, like yeah.
1: ego. I was like, oh, these fancy dudes, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I thought, oh, I can't hurt. Give it a go. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, sent Hamish the stuff. He loved it. He just got really excited. Yeah. And so I was, I was living down the far south coast of New South at that point. So I came up to Sydney and we met and we did a gig together. And I've literally never looked back. I mean, Hamish has been my band yes. ever since. Yeah. And we did work. So we made that for, that record um, by across the field. Um, Hamish and Dave were co-producers on that. And we also had the incredible Chris Abrams. Um, and they've been my team for the last four or five records. Like, Fantastic. Um, so, again, I just feel like I still pinch myself sometimes. I'm just yeah. like, I mean, you want to talk about being a fan of someone. Chris Abrams is like... You know, it's not a competition but I reckon I'm the biggest <laughs> fan. <laughs> and I remember, when, you know, I didn't know Hamish very well at this stage and we were, you know, working up the songs and getting ready to go into the studio like the next week. And Hamish said to me, you know, is there anyone... He said, don't worry about, you know, if they seem, you know, however they appear in your eyes. So, like just in terms of musicians, who would you... Is there anyone you can imagine loving having you know, yeah. to play on record? And so I said, wow, well, you know, be a total dream if Chris Abrams was into it. And he's like, I'll call him now. And you know, those little moments, so I was yeah. like, oh, really? I mean, I still remember thinking, what? Really? <laughs> and, you know, which is really cute now, because yeah. of course, everyone is just a person. And if, I mean, you know, and I knew, it's, it's like, they're not going to do it if they don't want to do it. You That's know, exactly like. That's exactly right. Yep. Got, if they feel like they've got something to bring to the party, then I cannot yep. wait to hear what that is. Yep. And that's kind of how I've rolled ever since. But, yeah, they've been my my A-team.
0: That's so good. Which is pretty. And Hayman and
1: I actually, our first duo show was an accident because that was, I think it was maybe a year after that album had come out and we'd been touring as a four-piece, you know, as much as I could afford to do. Yeah, yeah. God damn the maths. But, um... I'd been booked to do a solo gig at the Darwin Festival and Ham was up there playing with another act. Yeah. And um, we realised we were both, you know, on the bill and our sets didn't clash so I was like, "Ham's like, why don't we just do a duo thing? Yep. And I was like, yeah, fun. <laughs> anyway, so we play that set and I don't know who said it, you know, if we both said it, or who said it first? But we definitely looked at each other at the end of that set and was like, <laughs> "Think the rest of the band just got fired?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, we've been predominantly a duo ever since. Wow. So
0: That's so cool. Yeah. And it's, it's great of someone like Hamish because, you know, with his history and his ability, and for him to to trust his gut as well hmm. and go, "I really." Like this, I really like the music. I really like hanging out with Lucy. Yeah, Um, I'm going to inject my time and energy into this as well. Yeah, Um, it's and for yeah for someone of his calibre and God, there are so many bitter old musicians out there. I know, you know, but for someone to go, no, I'm excited by this. This is cool. This is a thing. I'm going to pursue and I'm going to commit. Yeah, such a great thing to be a part of.
1: Amazing, yeah. you know, and I mean, you know, clearly Hamish's musical skills are just completely off chops. I mean, he, you know, is the most amazing player yeah. and such a lyrical, painterly accompanist as well as being able to smack out a groove like the best of them. Yeah. But even if he was a pretty shit drummer... I would have that guy on tour because he's so hilarious. And <laughs> <laughs> anyone who spent time on the road with Grumpy, or you know, otherwise difficult humans, knows that is a whole kind of special. You know, yeah. he's one of the most buoyant and hilarious humans in my life. Yeah. And then he happens to be an absolute legend of a drummer as well. He's like, yeah, he's got that. Up it's his sleeve. weird that that's almost the the bonus, <laughs> you know. But it's true. Yeah, it's golden.
0: Yeah, um, I almost went to New Zealand with him with Tony Swain oh. recently. Huh?
1: Because
0: of Big Roy. Yeah. Passed away. Um God damn. Very sad to hear about Big Roy.
1: I know what a
0: proud um, sweetheart he was. Oh, he was an absolute legend. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing person and smart, uh, amazing funny, player. generous, yeah, wonderful Absolutely. human, yeah, wonderful human. So we've all lost out on Big Roy, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I was going to head out to New Zealand with Swaino and Hamish was on on drums. Mm-hmm. But I, I had a gig committed already, and I was like, oh, I had to, you know, yeah, I had to you be can't strong. Do and can't do it at all. But um, I'd love to play with Hamish again in the in the future. Well, not just yeah. play just just see hang him play out. or to yeah. just uh, hang out with him, have a cup of tea and yeah. hear some stories or...
1: Yeah, no shortage of them.
0: No shortage <laughs> of stories. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such such a, yeah, a good thing to try and, you know, we all try and have that, I think, don't we? Um, that relationship with, with someone you don't even have to sort of speak to, you know. Mm. You can just be on stage with someone and you get to know them so well that... Mm things just develop the way that they're meant to and absolutely, <laughs> you can yeah. read each other and yeah. it's so dynamic. Yeah, yeah. It's magic. It sure is. Actually, speaking of dynamic, I remember watching you and Hamish, must have been at the Falmouth Community Centre. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: Tiny little intimate venue where it w- would have been, what, maybe 30 of us?
1: Yeah. Is that with with when Jimmy, Jimmy Dowling was touring with us?
0: Was it that? Oh, yeah, it was with Jimmy. With Jim? Yeah. Yeah, and bloody, you. Yeah, yeah. So like scattered with beanbags everywhere and just yeah, classic. hearing you guys just in an unamplified space, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Like your vocals that was it. Yeah. And just like the roar when it when it like reaches its peak. Yeah. And then like its hey. subtle Yeah. Oh my god, I was so
1: The full throttle to the pin drop
0: yeah. spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> Yeah. Um I know. yeah, special moments like that and and do, i think unamplified music is such a reward oh, or a treat I know. you know like we we go and see not we um i haven't seen many big gigs for ages but um you know this stadium bullshit you yeah. know like who well, wants to be a,
1: honest i've hardly <laughs> ever seen any big shows like that i mean i yeah. have seen a few yeah. but um yeah definitely as a punter as well as a performer i mean if you it's just a totally different thing you know if you're dozens of meters away from the first audience <laughs> You know what yeah. I mean, and there's shitloads of them. Yeah. It's like I mean that's you know, that can be really exciting and a whole other oh, thing. Absolutely. But yeah. the but the for me, I'm just a real sucker for that, you know, the energetic transmission that happens in a small space with minimal amp like basically the amplification is just so that someone can hear what I'm singing at the back of the room. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I mean Sure, there's been plenty of situations where we've had mics on Hame's kit. Yeah. But, you know, I always say, you'll be surprised, please. Like, we're just yeah. <laughs> we just want to be... When we're quiet, we're so weirdly quiet. Yeah. And when we're loud, it's a bit scary. <laughs> but trust us, yeah. you know. It's just me talking to an engineer and it's going, it's okay, you know, like, let us ride that. And, yeah, I mean, I... am because when then when you get – if you're getting lift off and it's really happening and there's however many people in the room, five, 50, you know, whatever it is, it's like if they're digging it and you're really digging it and it's all working, it's like there's actually n- nothing quite like whatever that is, you yeah. know, that transmission.
0: Well, it's, it's like an equal energy oh, between man. everyone because everyone's in – ...everyone's in that moment. Yeah. Whereas you get to a... There's
1: no separation in that there's way. There's no separation. Oh. You get
0: to a big stage or a big environment... ...you know, you might have 10, 15, maybe 30% of the people... ...really engaged and in the same moment. Others are probably just there having a beer... ...and just talking yeah. some shit to their mate or whatever.
2: Yeah.
0: But when you get a small environment... ...and you get 100% of the audience in that place... Oh, it's such a yeah, yeah. It's a special. It's pretty fun. <laughs> fun thing to do with your time. Pretty
2: much the best.
0: Um, and you got a newish record, I noticed. When um, when I say newish, look at my face. I'm like, do I? Like, do I? <laughs>
2: well,
0: well, newish as in like you know, in the my last five years. My most recent release. Your most recent release. Yeah. Um, there's not many guitars on it. Is there a guitar? No. On
1: it? Yeah, I play guitar on. Uh, Maybe three or four songs. Okay. Um, yeah, and it is my most recent release. My face just went like that. Sorry. I was like, Oh my god, <laughs> so much has happened yeah. since that album came out, I just can't even really remember it.
0: Sorry, I should have um, uh, set that up better. No, that's good. So you, I, it's good for me to remember. Did you remember. lock yourself in a in a cabin somewhere with a with a keyboard? Is that correct? I actually how it did. Yeah.
1: yeah. So the album's called Kitty and Frank and it's a it's a concept record. Which it's still vaguely hilarious to me. I did not set out <laughs> to do that. But um, it's a really long story and I'll... But the short version... No, no, I'm not even going to tell the story. I'm just going to say I had this... I'd written one song for these two characters... ...who were real people in history. Right. Um, and so I'd written this one love song for them... ...and then maybe a year went by... ...and then I wrote another one. And then their whole story... I have to just give you a little Come bit because I know one knows what the fuck I'm talking about. So, <laughs> I, my mate Craig Lawler runs Blind Freddy's Bush Ranger tours out the back of Canoundra. Right. And I got a sort of complimentary tour when I was passing through doing a show in Goolagong one time, mm-hmm. as
0: you do. As you do.
1: Mate, Craig is a truly fabulous uh, storyteller and sort of Bush Ranger sleuth <laughs> slash nerd, <laughs> right? A guy. Okay. I know, such a great storyteller. So I, he sort of regaled me with this whole story, including you know a part of, the, of his story was this love story between Kitty and Frank, and Frank it was Frank Gardner, who was a, um, by all accounts, a terribly handsome and charming bush ranger, and Kitty was a young uh, colonial woman who'd grown up on the banks of the Lachlan in Central Western New South Wales, and, you know, was married off quite young. Anyway, white fellas discover gold. There's a big gold rush. Part of the influx is Frank. Short version is they meet each other, they fall madly in love, they run away together and they do not live happily ever after. It's just (laughs) the most epic, tragic, romantic, fabulous story filled with incredible, you know, side stories and you name it. So after having written a couple of songs for Kitty and Frank, I... You know, it sort of wouldn't leave my little songwriter's brain alone. So I was like, shit, I think there might be a whole record's worth of material here. But and as I sort of researched and, you know, got fed more info from Craig, the shape of the album was really clear in terms of which chapters of their story I knew I could turn into a song. But what took me ages to work out was the sonic world that those songs would inhabit. Sure. You know, I knew that, I mean, I didn't really, this was not the primary motivation, but I was like, you know, if if you give someone these basic ingredients and say, I am a folk singer, I am writing about bush rangers, people are going to go, oh, well, there's going to be banjos and lagophones yeah. and, you know.
0: Yeah, it's sort of and got, and got a, like, a template already, hasn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, and I just knew that I, that I didn't really want, yep. in some ways this was going to be my least folky record. Yep. Not that I think any of my... Records are very straightforward folk. I've never been able to categorise them very well. Anyway, that's not my job or my problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on. yeah, so I did. I borrowed a friend's like little shitty MIDI keyboard and um, set myself off to a little shack in the bush and um, just started mucking around with crazy synth sounds and writing riffs and you know and having this sort of really exciting lightning bolt moments. ...where I was thinking I don't even have to... ...I guess every other album I was filled with songs that I'd been touring... Yeah. ...that I'd been playing out, they'd formed themselves over time... Yeah. ...then I'd go into the studio and play them all. Yeah. And I'm like, actually no, I'm going to write this album with you know my dream team band. Yeah. And I was like, mm, you want some really good synth playing... Chris Abrams can do, <laughs> you know, like I don't have to sweat not quite knowing how this song goes yet if I can just make the... So, yeah. yeah, I'd never kind of shaped up demos in that way knowing that they were going to first come to life in the studio. Yes. So fun. Yeah. And so interesting for my... Um, I mean, you know, whatever your your normal kind of shtick is, it's so clearly so good for you to just break out of those... Patterns or those.
0: It'd be so freeing. Yeah, so. And to not have to go out and play them with a band or with. Yeah, a duo. to try and
1: kind of form them up. it was like, no, this is an album that's going to come out. Of, it's going to be made in the studio first, yeah. and then I'll work out how to. Yeah. Deliver it later. Yeah. Um, and you know, some of the songs I have been playing out. Like I said, there are a few. There are a few that I wrote on the guitar. I think there's. No, none of them go that way. There's a few that I, um, you know, then tried to reinterpret onto the guitar so I could (laughs) deliver a little more convincingly if it was just me. Yeah. But I also embarked on this whole. um, I mean, I play quite a lot of keyboards on that record as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was the first time I'd toured, being a keys player as well, which I actually found was so fun, but it was so stressful. Like I had this whole MIDI, Ableton thing set up, you know, with libraries of sounds and the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, like when I break a string, it's really obvious what's gone wrong yep. and I can put a new string on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when shit goes weird in the computer. Yeah, it's not visual. You, I don't can't, really... Yeah. <laughs> my troubleshooting capacity is very limited. Yeah. Anyway, it actually went remarkably smoothly given the new layers of technology involved. But, um, yeah, and I mean, you know, that was sort of a tough tour. It was... We got about halfway through it and then had planned to do a whole bunch more and then, of course, that's when the pandemic struck. And Yeah. But, you know, everyone's got... Yeah. affected everyone in that way, yep. so...
0: No, I, I really... Yeah. Um, when I first put it on, I was like, hang on a minute.
1: Hey, where are the guitars? Hang on a minute. Yeah, this is Lucy Thorne. Oh,
0: and then you start singing. I was like, yeah, it's definitely Lucy. But I... I it just sort of took the rug out from under me a little Great. bit. You know, like I was cool. like, oh, this is exciting. I'm confused. I'm confused, but it, it's... <laughs> But it's comforting yet it's also, yeah, sort of shaking my um, I guess, preconceived, you know, yeah, people have totally. preconceived ideas of Absolutely. artists. Absolutely. And becomes right. like a, a cookie cutter almost, you know, yeah. like you, you can go so far, but you can't go too far from but you have just went. It's it's so like like the, the drums in it are so powerful yeah. and energetic. And I was like, Yeah.
1: It's pretty exciting. It, stuff, it's exciting. It? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had it. ...driving in, I was like, wow, this is really fun. I was like, you could...
1: And, you know, I guess I've always... uh, I mean, you know, I'm just trying to follow the song... ...to wherever it's supposed to live, you know. And I knew that... I mean, I guess that's why it took me... ...like, when it came to actually making the record... ...we made it really quick. Like, the turnaround was pretty fast... ...but it took me just a really long time... ...to work out how to do it. And, yeah, I mean... You know, songs are such strange little creatures, aren't they? It's like you can try them in with different sets of trousers on yeah. <laughs> or whatever you want however up. you wanna describe it. But, down. but you know, then when I was like, Oh no, these can be like these can be kind of big pop songs or yeah. or you know, synth ballads or like whatever else is in there. But it's like yeah, to me anyway. The each each story of each song found its own little home, and you know there are some piano and guitar ballads on there too. And yep. it, you know, there's still a bit of a mix. But yeah, overall, I'm sure it confused and alienated a lot of my fans. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not really my problem. Yeah, it's, right, is like it? said, it's not your problem. You just make the music, make <laughs> yeah, the next record, and just to keep, let people keep trying to make the music. So make of it what they will.
2: Changing every day. It's turning up in the dead and gravel. Flashes in the riverbeds and the clay. We say it's why the veins keep stretching. i
0: Speaking of music, when when I got here, there's a little set up here on the table. Mm. You said you've been remotely producing Mm. some some content for other people.
1: Yeah, well, not even remotely. I've been... um, uh, In the last few months I have produced two albums that are both nearly finished. Great. Um, And it's funny, you know, I mean, no one cares, but personally I was a bit allergic to the term producer for ages. It's like... I don't know, it just sounds a bit pompous or something. (laughs) And I guess because I've only, you know, I've made my own records and every, you know, I've been like the fucking queen of DIY for a couple of decades. Yes. So it's like, to be honest, I've never actually separated out all of those things that might fall under the producer's umbrella. Yeah. It's just like, that's just stuff you do when you're making a record, you know. Yeah. So anyway, project enthusiast a label I quite like. (laughs) But so, um, yeah, in recent months I have just been working with two really dear friends. um, uh, Sarah Tindley up in northern New South Wales. We just um, have recorded her new album and I sing and play guitar on it a lot Mm -hmm. as well. Um, We've just made that up in the studio up near Byron. And The Yearlings... Beautiful duo from South Australia. Yeah, great. Um, so we tracked that their record in July over in SA and James Hazelwood was on bass and Henry right. Stewart was on the drums. Dream team. So two really amazing bodies of work. Um, and it's definitely... It's the first time, like, working on these two projects, it's the first time I've been so involved, you know, in someone else's yeah. baby, as it were. Yeah. And I'm just... It's kind of it's I've been surprised at how I mean I thought, you know, at first I thought oh, I'll just sit in the studio and like cheer them on yes. and say, does anyone want a cup of tea? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it's like that's really much my job description. Yeah. Right? Yep. was like, oh no, actually there's a whole myriad of things. And you know, it's all sprung from from really loving. I mean, I couldn't have done it if I didn't love the material. Yeah. And I really yep. I feel so attached and sort of involved in both of these projects. So, yeah, so fun to to be able to contribute and and to be back in this. You know, if you'd said to me six months ago, are you going to be in this studio making two records this year, I would have just blinked at you and gone, doing what? Doing what, yeah. You know, it's been a weird rough trot. I haven't personally been writing very much. But, yeah, to be able to jump back into being a musician and, you know, being so involved in these projects without actually having any...
0: I was going to say um, you know it's
1: sort of not really
0: so not I was emotionally say it's not attached to the problem but it's <laughs> <laughs> you know not more without more being he, like emotionally attached to material and, and having a say um, I know yeah. that well when, when you write your own stuff like you're so in it you, like it's yours yeah. it's your creation you want to be in control of it and then to have someone from outside go no do this do that try yeah. this try that or whatever um, I know as an artist, you, you almost feel confronted or or you sort of doubt, you start doubting things perhaps, yeah. or I suppose different personalities take it different ways. But for sure. H- how have you gone in that regard as an outside? I know you said you're friends with these people. Well, that's the thing. I don't with. feel
1: very outside. Like, I feel yeah. like it would have been a very, like, if someone had shipped me in to produce their record and I didn't know them yes. or anyone in the crew, that would be, I mean, I can't, at this stage, I can't imagine. Wanting to do that, yeah. you know, all that working and all. Yeah. But um, I mean, and they've been two very different projects. Like with the yearlings, for example, they've almost made this next record a few times and they had, you know, two albums worth of material. Sure. And I think they probably got to the point where they weren't even sure. I mean, the, my first job was they sent me two albums worth of demos yep. and they're like, we're not even, you know, we know some of the ones that are our favourite. And it was, I mean, you know, I've been dear friends and and fans of their work for years Um, and clearly it was like, well, my opinion is just one kid's opinion but you asked for it and I've got one. (laughs) So, you know, starting off with saying, to me, these ten songs are so clearly the album. Cool. You know, and I really want to hear you make it with this band. Yeah. And so, you know, then from there sort of, um, you know, doing a little bit of sort of... Teamwork on the finessing the form and you know, shaping up the arrangements and yeah, you know, instrumentation and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was, but most of those songs that are on that, oh my god, and I cannot wait for you to hear it, it's so yeah. good. So, yeah. it's that record's being mixed at the moment. And, um, so yeah, in the last week, you know, a few mixes have been coming down the line, and I'm just jumping around under my headphones <laughs> going, oh my god, soon to be unleashed in the world, yeah, um, exciting, yeah, and then Sara's record. Um, we were also going to make that some time ago, and all manner of life and death have gotten in the way and uh so I am so that's been a huge project, and that's a very different project. like a lot of those songs were brand brand new, so okay. I hadn't played out. yeah, um, I play quite a lot of guitar on that album.
0: Is that a debut for her, or she made no, stuff already? No, she's
1: made. Oh, you need to. Uh, yeah, I. Oh, so much great stuff out there <laughs> in the world, isn't there? it? You're really going to be a big fan. She's Excellent. incredible. Excellent. Um, See, so yeah, I think SZA's uh, fifth album. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's. I've been deep diving on that. That one is just just yesterday signed off on, the last mixes. And again, I'm just beside myself with the excitement to that's share great. it with the world. So yeah, that's been a um two incredible kind of, you know, re entries
0: into the yeah. realm musical of musical activities. Yeah. So did they come from um, I guess just were they shopping around for people or was it just like a conversation you guys had at one stage and went, Oh yeah, we really trust Lucy's judgment and maybe yeah, we should get involved. I think 'Cause have you done such a thing before? Like no, or is this that's like a thing? Whole I've only
1: ever I've done that on my own projects but yeah. I've never um been involved in someone else's record in that way. So yeah. yeah, I mean I think for both the both projects, um it all started just from conversations about, you know, these beautiful songs and how me just being a kind of keen pal yeah. saying, Come on, make the record. <laughs> how are you gonna do it? Who's yeah. gonna be on it? What's what songs, you know? Yeah. Um and then I guess you know both Yeelings and Sarah, are, you know, love my work and what I might bring, you know, my general kind of sensibility or my general approach. So you know, not wanting to kind of ship in some, yeah, you know,
0: yeah,
1: boofy, <laughs> big wig or something. Yeah. But just to have that, you know, for have a sounding board, to have someone who's who genuinely loves the ship that we're trying to make and. Yeah. Um, you know, we know each other well enough that that's, the comms are really easy and yep. clear, and it's just all about making the most beautiful version of yep. these records that we can. So that's great. it's such a joy, you know, yeah. to be a part of. Yeah. And also hilarious, like both te- both <laughs> crews, are just some of the funniest, <laughs> most fabulous humans. So, yep. Happy you days. know, yeah, if it can't be fun, I oh know.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one thing I I need to uh, make more of an effort with is the sounding board producer mm-hmm. thing because like I'm the same I've been DIY mm. for forever mm. and there's only so much of your own voice that you can put up with. <laughs> is it?
1: Well, there is, <laughs> isn't
0: it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And you know yeah. you, you trust the guys in your band, but it's you sort of want yeah you want someone else to throw some ideas around and, and like the producer title has always been. A confusing. It's like, what do they do? Like, are they like just making cups of tea, like yeah. you said, or? But sometimes that's all it is. Sometimes all they need to do is just make a good vibe in the room, and the music comes out. But yeah. I don't know. It, everyone's different, and the more I listen and, and participate in music, the more, the more I realise mm. how important that person is. Mm. And I guess recording as well, because I've, I've been recording a lot of people last, I don't know, 10, ten years or so mm-hmm. as well and sort of, you sort of put that hat on without really knowing it, don't you? Like yeah. that interaction you have between people and so yeah, it's just a just another way to, to dip your toes into that musical pool. Yeah. You know, it's a wonderful Absolutely. thing. Yeah. And speaking of records and things, mm-hmm. have you got much coming like in the pipeline or are you sort of writing or you because you've been busy touring as well with, Matt Walker and Tex Perkins. Yeah. Um, I
1: have. Well, I've done a bit of that. That was another COVID accident. Yeah. Because <laughs> while, while I was living up in northern New South, um, you know, when the pandemic had certainly settled in, yep. um, yeah, Tex had started doing this online show thing, getting a different special guest in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so a mutual friend, you know, after I think he'd made two or three of them and a mutual friend had said, you know Lucy Thorne's... Hiding out in the hills, you know, you should get her in. And you know, Tex had never heard of me, and he looked looked me up, and then invited me in, and we filmed the show. And then by the end of the night, in the wee out, by sometime in the wee hours. You know, he's like, you should join my band. <laughs> 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 it's, the, it's the short version of yeah. how that all came about. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've been... And I mean, that was that was an incredible opportunity because i obviously... You know, hardly any of us were working at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, I was able to do a handful of gigs here and there, there with Tex. And then even as the COVID world shifted... You Know there were more touring opportunities and such yep. a fun combo for me to like to be able to open those shows yep. doing my thing but also play guitar in someone else's band, which is not something I've done a lot of, yeah. Um, and so fun and kind yeah. of feels I don't know, it feels
0: yeah, it's cause exciting, yeah. It's because the spotlight isn't on you, no, and you haven't got the stress or the I oh know the anticipation from oh, you just like this, it's like you got a leave pass, you know, you just go hang out and just. Yeah sing some songs and yeah. play some
1: guitar. And yeah, it's really fun. So, well, they're actually Texan, the Fat Rubber Band, which is Maddie Walker and Roger yep. Bergadez and Stephen Hadley and all those gorgeous guys. They've got a new record coming out soon and um, actually they've recorded a new song of mine. Oh. That I haven't even recorded yet. The cheeky <laughs> buggers. But <laughs> I didn't no, it, know. It, they have my permission to okay. do that. Good, in good. fact, I sing on it a little bit too. <laughs> so, But, yeah... Uh, I've got a few things in the pipeline. I mean, there's, there's going to be some more stuff happening with Pieta. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, like I said, I haven't been writing very much. I've just been sort of, it has been an awful lot going on. But, yeah. um, you know, I know... I've been doing it long enough and I know myself well enough... ...to know that I've got this like... I don't know how to describe it really... ...but it sort of feels like a kind of background itch that's like, oh, yeah, I know there's a whole lot of songs that are going to come out of me pretty soon. Yeah. Just need to settle myself down somewhere. Yeah. You know, shut a few doors (laughs) and say goodbye to the world for a little bit. And, yeah, so um, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that, embarking Um, on that chapter.
0: Excellent. I'm sure we're all looking forward to what comes of that as well yeah well I reckon we might wrap it up there Luce thank you very much for having a chat
1: such a delight to have a chat yeah. with you
0: Pete yeah good um, on you. and can't wait to see you perform again sometime or just hang out for another cup of tea and thanks for the Earl of Tasmania bag of tea I'll take it yeah. home and.
1: yeah you're going to have to take a couple other things too I'm trying to empty this house
0: <laughs> <laughs> alright take it easy good on Pete. good on you. Thanks for listening, folks, to another episode of Say It With Guitars. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, share it around to your mates, leave a good review, and hopefully we'll see you next time.